Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I am Greta Johnson, and I am very happy to be with you on this glorious day, whatever day it may be that you are listening to this weird little podcast. Nerdette is a show where we talk to your favorite or maybe even soon-to-be favorite people. And I'm very excited to tell you about our guest this week. Her name is Lori Santos, and she's a real fancy pants professor over at Yale University. And what's really cool about Lori is that she actually managed to teach the most popular class in Yale's like 316-year history. It was called Psychology and the Good Life. This is a super cool class, and it turns out it is relevant not only to like very stressed out, anxious type A Yale freshmen, but also like the entire world because we're all very stressed out, and sometimes it's helpful to have a really concise distillation of a lot of different studies that tell us why we might be kind of anxious and what could make us happier. So buckle your seatbelts, turn off your phones, because it turns out they make you miserable, and listen to this interview. Unbeknownst to me, what um, ended up happening was that many, many, many Yale students wanted to take the class. In fact, in the end, about one out of every four students at Yale um, was trying to get into the class. Yeah. How much did that popularity surprise you? I think it was pretty surprising. I mean, I knew that the content I was teaching was going to be the kind of thing that was relevant to college students. That's why I designed the class. Um, But I didn't expect it to be that popular. I think it was really a statement that, you know, students don't like this culture of overwork and stress. You know, they want to do something to change it. And they believe that the science might have some answers for them. I think they were really hopeful about using the science of psychology in their lives themselves to kind of live a better life. I think it's so I'm conflicted about how successful, how popular this class was, because in one way, I mean, it's so great that so many people are interested in having these conversations. Mm -hmm. There's another interpretation, though, which is just like how dire are things that so many people so desperately need a, a class like this in their lives? Yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it speaks to how awful the culture has gotten, both for college students and for you know, folks outside of college. I mean, one of the amazing things about the class is that it was popular not just here on Yale's campus, but beyond Yale's campus. You know, that's why I'm talking to this podcast is that many, many people outside of Yale have heard about this course and wanted to get some of the insights. And I think that speaks to the kind of what was so surprising about the class, which is that, man, these Yale students, you know, they're young, they got into Yale, you know, they have the whole lives ahead of them, and they need to take a whole class on happiness (laughs) and how to live a better life. You know, what about me is kind of what a lot of folks seem to be thinking. Yeah, Washington Post actually said within two months of the launch of your online course, 100,000 people from more than 150 countries had already taken it. That's right. I think we're up to about 120,000 learners a few weeks after that Washington Post article. And so I think there's a real need. I think people people want to change things. People want the culture to be healthier and happier. Okay, so how do we do that? 
Well, the, the good news is that we can do it. The bad news is like all good things in life, it takes a lot of work. Um, and one of the pieces of work you have to do is to realize that oftentimes we have these intuitions about what will make us happier, the kinds of things we need to do. But sometimes those intuitions are wrong. One of those intuitions is that we, we want better stuff. You know, we think we need something new in our lives to become happier, to increase our well-being. But as we just talked about, life circumstances don't seem to matter as much as we think. In some ways, it's our minds lying to us about what will really make us happy. But what will seem to make us happy are often things that we don't really have motivation to seek out. Um, but they will. those kinds of things will make us happier anyway. So one of the things that make us happier, um, by and large, is social connection. Uh, research shows that happy people, on average, spend more time with other people. And then it, they tend to prioritize time in their lives for friends and family members and people they really care about. It's one of the main things that distinguishes happy people from unhappy people. So a thing we can do to kind of bump up our happiness is just to prioritize time with friends, time with family members, people we care about. Even making social connections with a stranger, research shows, can bump up our happiness. Can you talk a little about the idea of time affluence? Because I think that's super fascinating and something that we're also not talking enough about. Yeah. And another thing the research suggests can bump up your well-being is, is just having time, you know, simply having what's called time affluence. And time affluence is basically the opposite of time famine, which is what a lot of us are in all the time where you know, people ask, how's it going? You're like busy. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, so busy. Right. We just don't have time to schedule the things we really care about. And we definitely don't have time just to kind of, you know, have leisure to sit in the grass or just have a total day off or nothing scheduled. Um, but research suggests that people who prioritize time over money end up having higher levels of well-being than people who prioritize money over time. So people who would give up hours of their time to work extra hours to get more money, those folks tend to be less happy than the people who would you know, spend some money to get extra time. And the, basically what that means is that we'd all be better off trying to make sure our calendars were a little bit less packed so that we had time just for leisure, time for the things we really care about. And that could be really as simple as just like literally scheduling in your calendar like, hey, these two hours on Tuesday afternoon are just for me to do whatever I want. That's right. And I think that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that behavioral change work suggests is that kind of having open blocks where you can schedule things on your calendar doesn't work, right? Because you fill these things up naturally. You know, meetings come and you'll stick it in. But if you actually schedule your own leisure, if you leave in your Google Calendar sometime just to do nothing, that time will end up remaining there. Um, another thing you can do is just have some time where you just cancel things. And this was the gift that I gave to my class. Uh, I was going to teach the students about time affluence, but it was kind of ironic because I was going to drag them to class and give them readings about time affluence, <laughs> all of which were going to take up some of their time. And so I thought that the best way to teach them about time affluence might be to give them some, surprisingly. So students came to class this day when they were supposed to get a lecture on time affluence, and my teaching assistants were handing out little flyers that said, hey, guess what? We're teaching you about time affluence by canceling class today. Now you have some time affluence, a whole hour you didn't expect. And the rule we gave students was that they couldn't immediately fill up the hour with just some schoolwork. They had to do something that promoted happiness based on what we learned about in the class. And what, we, what surprised us was that the students' reaction was 
really, really intense. You know, some students like spontaneously hugged me or the teaching fellows. One student burst into tears on the spot. I mean, these are students who were stressed in the middle of midterm season. And many reported that this was the first hour they didn't have scheduled in as long as they could remember. What did some of the students tell you they did with that hour? I mean, the the responses were pretty incredible. We gave students some suggestions on our flyer because we thought students might have found time affluence so rare. They just had no idea what to do. Um, So we suggested going to one of Yale's museums, you know, take time to kind of just hang out and get a bubble tea with a friend and so on. A lot of students did those suggestions. Some students um, ended up going on a hike uh, with some friends. And in fact, as they were doing it, they ran into other students from the class who were taking a hike. So they kind of made some social connections. Uh, A few students went to one of the on-campus recording studios and kind of jammed out and made their own song, which they sent me a copy of. It was just incredible. I think students really use that hour to do something new. And a number of the students spontaneously reported that it was an hour that they were going to remember for the rest of their college career and beyond. You know, they just did this spontaneous, fun thing in a way they hadn't done in in so long and longer than they could remember. So in terms of behavioral changes, you've talked about spending time with other people, spending time, having leisure time for yourself. What are some of the other things during this course that you ended up trying to encourage people to do in terms of rewiring their brains to be maybe a little less miserable? Another thing we encourage students to do is to take time for gratitude. This is something else we see very happy people doing all the time is that they tend to be really grateful. They tend to realize the blessings they have in life, and they tend to focus more on blessings than on hassles. And so one of the ways we encourage students to do this was just to take a few minutes every night to write down a, a couple things that you're grateful for. There are a bunch of apps in which you can do this. You can just do this on a piece of notebook paper. But at the end of each day, right before you go to bed, just think of a few things that you just are so blessed to have in your life. Um, I mean, these can be simple things like, you know, I ate a fantastic donut today, or it can be really big things like I can walk, you know, I'm healthy, like I'm alive, right? And research suggests that the simple act of taking time to experience gratitude like this can really bump up subjective well-being more than we expect. Do you keep a gratitude journal? I try to. And this is kind of one of the things I tell students all the time is that it's one thing to know about all these findings, but it's another (laughs) one to put them into effect all the time. Um, And and that's where I end up a, a bad example, but a real example of human nature, which is like, you can be an expert on this stuff. You can teach a whole very popular class on this, but just knowing the material isn't enough to put it into practice. You really have to turn these things into habits. And one of the great things about the course is I think it's it's caused, it's forced me to practice what I preach a little bit. You know, I can't get up there and tell students to do all these kinds of things when I'm not doing them myself. And so even though I'm not perfect at the every night gratitude thing, um, I do have uh, an app where I try to do these things um, all the time. I've been trying to turn these things more into a habit. And it's true on the weeks where I'm very good at this and kind of keeping up with my gratitude journal I can tell I'm feeling happier, you know. I'm noticing and feeling grateful for so many more things in my life. It's worth doing these things, but like all behavior change, it's pretty hard. I feel like this is actually the most challenging part of this entire situation, is that most of us actually know what we need to do to make ourselves happier, but it just seems like kind of a drag which is exactly why I do not meditate, but I know that I should. And actually the gratitude journal thing 
is another one that I've like considered doing, but just refused to do for some terrible reason. And I was actually really curious to talk to Lori about this too. Like here she is, she's teaching this class. She knows all the science. She's accountable to all these students. And yet what's it like for her when she just like fails to follow through on some of these simple tasks? We will talk about that right when we get back. This is Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Are there moments when maybe you've taken a lapse throughout the week and you're thinking about how you should do it, but you just aren't getting around to it? And you're like, Lori Santos, you told so many people to do this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think uh, more I know that students are going to ask me about it. You know, it's just in the in the culture, you know, this is gratitude week or, or this is exercise week. Another thing that we know can bump up subjective well-being. In fact, there are studies suggesting that a half hour a day of exercise um, can be as good for your well-being as a, as a dose of Zoloft and antidepressant medication, right? So these are really powerful things, but you know, life gets in the way. And that's why we need the second half of the course, which is what's on behavior change, right? We know that there are these goals that we have, but they're hard to make stick. This is why every year our New Year's resolutions fall apart two weeks into January. Um, It's really hard to change our behavior over time. But one of the great things about the course and doing the course with so many students is that we know from the behavior change literature that simply having a lot of people working together on something, having some social support or some social accountability, that can help you stick to your new goals. And I think that for me has been one of the most amazing things about the class is that, you know, if the students felt that, I felt that even more. And it did mean that I was putting into practice more of these kinds of healthier behaviors than I was doing before the class started. So when you do have free time, how do you use it? I think it kind of depends on what I need at the time. Um, I love prioritizing time with my husband just to do goofy things. Um, We decided at the start of this year that we would try to increase the number of adventures we have. Um, I'm not sure we've been fantastic at that given how busy I've been, but it's definitely a goal that we try to stick to. That sounds really fun. Have you gone on like road trips or like ventures out beyond too? One of the things my research focuses on is how animals think, which takes us to very, very strange places. And so we have had a chance to take some actual travel adventures to places like Morea and French Polynesia, to Monkey Islands in Puerto Rico, um, to lots and lots of strange places. And one great thing about my husband is that he's always game for some fun travel or an adventure. So you mentioned that a lot of your own research has to do with comparing animal cognition to how humans think. Do you think animals are happier than we are? It's tricky because 
it's hard to ask them. You know, they can't fill out these little surveys of how happy they are as easily as we can. Um, but, but one thing we know animals probably do is that they tend to be a lot more in the moment than humans are. Um, just in terms of the way their brain is wired, they seem less capable of kind of mind wandering, of thinking about the future, of worrying about the past. You know, they're kind of stuck in the present moment in a way that human minds aren't. And this fantastic research by uh, Dan Gilbert and his colleagues, a professor at Harvard, has shown that if you kind of ping people on their cell phones and ask them what they're thinking about, we spend almost 50% of our time mind wandering. So whenever we're supposed to be paying attention to whatever it is that we're doing, we're often not. His work also shows that if you ask people how happy they are whenever they're thinking about different things, we tend to be less happy when we're mind-wandering. Even when we're mind-wandering to positive things, you know, thinking, oh, next week I'm going to go on vacation or after after this podcast I'm going to have, you know, a really fantastic latte. Even when we're fantasizing about these positive things, that's less good than just being in the present moment, just focusing on what's happening right here in the here and now. And so my guess is we can actually learn something from animals. Um, we can learn that, you know, just taking time to be in the present moment, to be focused on what we're doing, can bump up our well-being more than we expect. Hmm, that's fascinating. Are you going to get a latte after this? Is that why you said that? Uh, possibly, yeah. No, it sounds good. <laughs> Marie Santos, thank you so much for designing this class and for going on this voyage with all of us. I think it's super important that we're having these conversations. Thanks so much. So if you are not a freshman at Yale, but you really want to take this class because you too are a stressed out human, turns out you can actually take this class for free on this website called Coursera. It has all the course materials, all the readings. It has some really fun spreadsheets that you can print out and put into a binder with sheet protectors like I did if you really want to. And it's got like all these little challenges for each week and there's an app and lots of good stuff. I have to admit, I kind of failed like 10 minutes in, but it's still pretty great to just print off and put in a binder and keep at work and look at every once in a while just to remind yourself that you should appreciate the good things in life and stop beating yourself up about the bad things in life. This show is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Bobita, and our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. Our intern is Sophie Lalonde. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on NPR One or listen in the WBEZ app. It's also super helpful if you leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Nerdy Mommy 36 for the really nice review. Nerdy Mommy says, almost every show gives me this amazing feeling of excitement and childlike happiness. It's like the moment a book gets really good and you smile to yourself and get goosebumps at the same time. I am in the middle of this really great book called Circe by Madeline Miller, and it is giving me that same feeling. And I am so excited that someone might get that same feeling from listening to our show. So thank you very much, Nerdy Mommy 36 And thanks to all of you listening right now. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerd at Podcast. We have a newsletter. You're going to like it. You can get it at nerdatpodcast.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Oh, yeah. If you turn off your phone, you can't listen to the interview. What do you do if cell phones make you sad and podcasts are on your phone? What does that mean about podcasts?
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.